I want to invite you to this two-part, deeply powerful conversation, and it raises huge questions. What are the ethical and the spiritual and the moral issues that are raised by this naked invasion and what's turning out to be genocide? It's happening right now, 21st century Europe. So what are we to do? How are we to handle it? How are we who want to be peaceful warriors handle a time when it may be time to fight? How can we aid the people of Ukraine and the children and the mothers and the fathers and the soldiers as they resist pure evil and not just for themselves, but for all of us. Because if you don't stop it here, history has showed us over and over again that it will continue. So these are some of the things that we're talking and hopefully we're getting some clarity about. And we know it's an ongoing conversation that's developing. So please don't miss it. Spread the message. Time for us all to wake up, show up, grow up and do our part. Welcome to Deep Transformation, Self, Society, Spirit, life-enhancing, paradigm-rattling conversations with cutting-edge thinkers, contemplatives, and activists, with Dr. Roger Walsh and John Dupuy. Join us in the evolutionary fast lane as we take a deep dive into transformational practice, peak experience, profound understanding, powerful contribution. Welcome everyone to the Deep Transformation Podcast. And my name is still John Dupuy. This is Dr. Roger Walsh and Ben Segante and Vitas and Katarina. This is a follow-up from our initial podcast that we did, did a few weeks ago that was very viewed by a lot of people and very raw and very real Vitas and Katarina are in Lithuania, Lithuania, and they're right helping with refugees and sending supplies into Ukraine. And I got involved with iAwake, and we started raising funds and sending them directly because I don't always trust big organizations. Come on, six on the Enneagram, but I trust these two people here, and I know I know they're doing the right thing. We've got that going, and we're going to call in some sister organizations see if we can do more. Uh, we want to really hear from you guys what's going on, what's the latest, both what you're doing and how it's how it's been for you. Because I think about you guys a lot and what would I do? How would I hold up under similar circumstances? It has to be difficult. It has to be real, real. So how are you guys doing and what's going on? I would like to start from um, thank you. Yeah, from expressing our deep gratitude uh, for all the attention and support that we are now receiving from you. I would say you are those people from this integral field. And, and there are a few more from Spiral Dynamics Integral Group on Facebook that are extremely active in supporting Ukraine and in letting some of the Ukrainian voices heard. So thank you once again very much for, for your support. It's been a very challenging month since the last time we met. Emotionally, it is very hard. We are getting bad news from quite close circles, although we are safe physically. But I, I believe the level of trauma, not just in Ukraine, but in the whole collective around Ukraine, is very high. Probably the hardest moments about uh, 10 days ago, when Bucha came up hmm. and to surface, 
Of course, these events happened before. It's just that it, we, we all got to know it all together, actually, because there was no connection with people who were there for weeks. Unfortunately, we have very clear signs that Bucha is not the worst that is happening. We are getting some information from people from Kherson who are now the occupied territories that I believe will be even more surprising. So that, that's the, the status for now. Emotionally, it is very hard. And at the same time, it's, of course, interesting uh, to observe what is happening in the world, what are the reactions, uh, what is the evolution of thought, um, of thinkers um, from all over the world. And I think it's changing. And I, I believe we can speak about it a little later. Uh, yes, what I would like to add to this uh, is the speaking in, in terms of integral terminology, starting from the uh, upper left, uh, it's still very hard emotionally because we are safe physically and from the, from the upper right perspective, we are safe. But, uh, but in, the, in the upper left, there's a mess. We feel distance from the people we love in Ukraine who are fighting, who are actively in, in volunteering. And, and we always have these thoughts about, oh, should we go there? earlier than, than later, you know. But on the other hand, we see that we can be very useful from here as well. And, and there are enough people actually in all, in all fields, uh, enough volunteers. So there's this constant tension between, you know, are we not too distant? And, and, and even there are, there's a general feeling among the Ukrainians that those who have fled the country, they feel guilt that they're not in the country. Those who have fled from the cities in eastern and central Ukraine to the west, they feel guilty that they are not in the cities. Those who are in the cities, they feel guilty that they are not actively engaged in the in something important. And in territorial defense. In territorial example. defense. And those in territorial defense, they feel guilty that they are not in the military. And those in the military, they feel guilty if they are not on the front lines. So there's a constant, you know, very strong feeling that I need to contribute more. I need to do more, that, that, that my country is in need. And this emotionally, this is something new. We've never been through this in, in our entire lives. And that's, a, that's an adaptation. Yeah. And, and of course, the bad news are coming almost uh, every day. And, and for example, yesterday, we got news that we lost very close friend and, and who was actually a very active member of the integral, integral movement in Ukraine. She, she's uh, Lada Kanevska, if you remember, who was in the, in the last life uh, integral European conference. Unfortunately, she, she had the cancer and, and she died from, from the cancer. But the, the events, the war and the stress related to it and that the fact that she had to, to, to flee the country she went to Germany, and that was enormous stress, especially psychologically, which contributed very seriously to her physical condition. And unfortunately, yesterday she passed away, and we are still still feeling this. And, and every day, such kind of news are coming from Ukraine. And that's the general situation. And of course, the situation... Okay, I don't want to comment much about the military situation because there's lots of uh, lots of information. But what we what we um, observe and and what Kata already mentioned that the we see that the West is 
consolidating. Maybe not as uh, quickly as unanimously as we would like to see it, but still, the, for example, Germany, the situation in Germany is, is changing because previously they were resisting any kind of tensions with Russia and, and the economy is so dependent, the German economy is so dependent on Russia and I think they, they made a, a row of a number of strategic mistakes in the past, but, but now the whole sentiment in the, in the society is changing and we see that there is less and less of this naivete in, in the West, you know, about, that, about Russia, about even, even under, under the you know, justification of the Russian culture and how good Russian people can be and so on. So now, now, now people are seeing the real, the real situation. And, and we really hope that the leaders will finally make their conclusions. So, to, so this, is, this is for a check-in. Yeah, so, so just to comment on the, the psychological stress, there's personal pain at friends and loss and your country, but you're describing actually a kind of existential dilemma that this is such a overwhelming challenge facing so many people and with so much injustice and horror that no response feels adequate. And there's a kind of guilt in the face of the fact that nothing I do is fully adequate in a way. Well, I believe it is only partly true. Mm-hmm. And I really want to encourage people living in a in, in the West, in the safe environment, to be sure that they can contribute. Mm-hmm. They can contribute with their efforts. It's important to find a, a way, a strategy that really resonates with you so that you would feel like it's the continuation of your energy. So that you're putting your energy into something you really believe into. And because this is a really big fight big battle against evil that's the way we call it and of course we we understand the shadow aspects of this notion however it's really a a big fight for freedom and dignity and for democracy it's just that it seems that ukrainians are you know in avant-garde of these forces now but it doesn't mean that it's only ukrainians and the west is joining and the thought is changing around these events. And that's, that's something we really appreciate. Many things changed throughout this month. And so I believe any listener of this podcast can contribute. It's just that important that you will find a proper way. Yeah, Roger and I were discussing that. And of course, Roger's MD, he's a psychiatrist. He's saying, God, I feel like I should be over there, but I haven't been doing medical practice for so long. I said, yeah, as a soldier, I feel like I should be there fighting, you know, but I'm 65. I'd probably just get in the way and be another person in the casualty tent. But I I completely understand that, you know, and if I were 10 years younger, I might be there just feeling I can do something. And I think this is such a powerful event that is in in so many ways, it's, it's hurting the world. It's hurting economically. Oil prices are going up, you know, food prices and this and that and the other. But on the other side of the fence, we're, we're getting a real dose of true heroism. You know, and I think one of, one of the illnesses on our planet right now, and this goes for China too, is like the young people are disengaged. Nothing's worth, nothing has meaning. It's just stuff and it's just depression and it's just cynicism, you know, led by your president, Zelensky, 
who is a magnificent figure and is speaking to the conscience of the whole world, of those of us, you know, that care about these things. Now, the Nazis, and obviously they're, they're for Putin because that's what he represents, that kind of way of looking at the world. But I think it, it could really be a wake-up call for a lot of us and to start, you know, just like, hey, heroism is still here. Sacrifice is still here. There are things worth fighting and dying for. And maybe so maybe I ought to re- re- rearrange my life in a way that that holds that, you know, that purpose and meaning. And maybe I should become the best man or the best person I can be in order to do my bit. And Ben Say, Ben Say is he's an integral world leader, but he's also been in charge of, of organizing the integral European conference. One of the the best conferences I've been ever been to, and I've been to a few, and it became more than a European conference. It became a world integral place to be and to learn and to make connections. That's where I connected with Roger, and I just made so many deep things out of there. So you're also from Hungary, and you're also uh, an integral teacher and leader and practitioner and thinker. What's your hit on this, Pense? Yes, thank you, John, calling me to speak and Greetings to the audience of this podcast. I'm sitting in uh, Budapest, which is the capital of Hungary. We are neighbors to Ukraine, the next country, one of the next countries in Hungary. So we probably feel more the closeness of the war than people in other countries in the Western Hemisphere. A topic that you didn't name, but we, but I think it's related and, and it's hot in this area, is also that we just had the Hungarian elections. Orban was elected again, which drove most of us nuts. Just, you know, just Orban fatigue and <laughs> all that. Well, it drove some of us here, some of us in the, in the Western world, in US nuts too. Yeah, kind of. It should be in the in DSM-6, you know, this whole Orban fatigue. Because it, it's terrible. It's terrible. And so, so we are basically coping now. Uh, sane Hungarian with open mind, you know, with these two conflicts at the same time, getting stuck in this regime and also feeling the closeness of the war. We are just very sorry, actually, like, like you. So I think, uh, I don't think we have a different position than any other Western country towards the war. Of course, everybody, including me, uh, and the Hungarian regime too, actually uh, condemns the war. And uh, nobody thinks here that there is any, you know, validity of it. It's just a disaster. It's a destruction. It should be stopped immediately. And we also made this topic into the main topic of this year's Integral European Conference. The topic is world peace with the integral approach. So since this is the, uh, the elephant in the, in the room, you know, war and peace, this is what we should contemplate about and around in the conference. So, and Katja and Vitas will come in person to Budapest. And I, I hope Roger and Johnny too, and many others. So, so yeah, we are going to, you know, to dance with it, to feel with it and be together. It's very important in these times, I think, to, to be together physically as well, if we can, and to support each other in that way too. Yeah, so kind of, that's all I want to say as, as an entry. I will certainly want to come back to the conference and hear more about what you're planning, what you'll be speaking to, Katerina and Vitas. But maybe we could go back, Katerina Vitas, to, to your experience, what you're seeing, experience, and how that's, how that's changed over these weeks. 
because when you had, when you did the first interview with us, you had just escaped with your family, and you had witnessed the first bombardment of Kiev. You'd spent days just trying to get get across the border, along with thousands and now millions of others. Fortunately, Vitas, you have citizenship as a Lithuanian, so you, you that's where you are now. So there was that initial. I can't even fully give voice to all the emotions it must have been in, in fleeing your beloved country under such circumstances. Now you're at least, at least as you said, you have have a home and a place to be and a place to contribute and work from. So, what's been the evolution, and both personally in your own feelings and what you've seen over those weeks as people pour out of your country? So from the perspective of, of a personal evolution, I would uh, just resonate what, with what Vita said. The survivor syndrome is very powerful. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to give yourself space for physical exercise, for meditation, for, meditation, for diet. It's just a mess. Frankly speaking, it's a mess. Because you're using every minute to contribute with something. And the range of things that are circling is, is very hard to digest. Like within a day, you manage funds. You're trying to get a person out from... That's, that's my life today. I'm trying to get a person out from Novozovsk, which is occupied territory. You could flee from Mariupol after 20 days in the basements, lost 20 kilos... He could flee only to occupy a territory, went through filtration. And now I'm looking for friends in Taganrog and Rostov-on-Don, which is Russia, to host him for a week or two so that he could at least have a little bit of rest and then find a way for him to go to Pskov and then Estonia because he is a school principal. And being a leader, like having this very let's call it basic, but still leadership position, they incline people for collaboration. So in order to avoid being basically recruited by Russian... Either either collaborate or or just end up in prison. So, so the choice is very yeah, simple. Yeah, very simple, because they, they want children to study in Russian about Russia, uh, learn Russian history, and just... Let it be Russia starting from May 1. <laughs> so that's the ambition. So like uh, simultaneously, you do so many things. And of course, here in Lithuania, I just became uh, a member of the advisory board uh, at the Ministry of Education and Sports of Lithuania to help resolve the urgent issues with the Ukrainian kids at the schools that are accepting Ukrainian children and teachers. So the whole Europe is shocked because it's an overwhelming quantity of students who do not speak the language, who are all traumatized. There are not enough teachers, not enough, enough psychologists. Children are coming to school for one day or two and they just come back home and do not want to go to school because they do not understand anything and they do not have significant others who can support them, you know, using at least the common language. So it's a big, big problem. And it's small part. It's just an iceberg of all the issues that are, that are going on. And uh, of course, it's very hard to digest. It's like multi-fronted 
battle. So it's overwhelming. And from the perspective of more global view and uh, what we observe in the world, we were very frustrated in the first weeks of March, several important uh, articles emerged written by the leaders of, let's say, the opinion, opinion leaders or, and f- or f- from the most, let's call it, prominent intellectual circles, like Presencing Institute. Also, there was a big discussion in the nonviolent communication community. Otto Scharmer wrote these famous two articles. We were very sad and frustrated. Disappointed. And disappointed reading what we read. Uh, And uh, there was a big uh, process after that, especially uh, with Otto's articles. And uh, finally, after (laughs) three weeks trying to write an open letter, we decided to address him personally with a private email and invite him to, to dialogue basically to be seen as a Ukrainian community, because there is a Ukrainian community, but nobody ever asked us questions writing about Ukraine. Like it is uh, in the articles, it's all about collective action from shared awareness. Like nobody asked any ULAB a practitioner and, and student of the Presencing Institute from Ukraine what do we think about it? So this new issue that is coming and that I want to cover is what we are observing that slowly but surely Ukraine is gaining agency. And this is something very supportive. So it seems that we start to be seen um, putting a lot of efforts in various fronts, in military front, political front, Of course, economic institutions are all involved, but also in this front of meaning making, we are still very cautious and um, uh, only looking forward for real dialogues within the integral community, because as uh, as changed with Bansi recently, I believe the, the recent article by Rob Smith is kind of also in my view, doesn't include much Ukraine and its agency. So I, I, I believe it will evolve with time. We just need to speak more about it. However, we see positive dynamics. Yeah, let, let me say that the Putin argument is that Ukraine's really not a country. It's just a chunk of Russia that need to get back. Well, if there were ever any doubts in anybody's mind that you are a people and a country, you guys have an been initiated and you are a country and you're a country with great soul and great courage and your great great grandchildren are going to be talking about this time what you're doing now is going to go down in history as one of the the magnificent moments uh when we really stood up and we gave and we you know we did the right thing yeah not a lot of cynicism not a lot oh this that and the other no this is real these are people that are, are fighting and dying for freedom for dignity for their land for the land of their ancestors Yeah, you guys are the real deal. And if anybody ever had any doubt, that was yesterday's argument. I don't think it's even should be, you know, it's it's just you've proven yourselves more beyond any shadow of a doubt that you are a people in your country and you have agency and you have a soul and you have 
heart and courage and great love for one another. It's really magnificent. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Yeah, that's, mm. that's very important to hear. And maybe if I can add a couple of things. So yeah, the, Katya spoke about this agency and sovereignty. If before we were treated as a pawn in a big game, now it's, now it's pretty obvious that, that Ukraine was the country who dared to challenge Russia and, and to respond to this, uh, to this you know, evil aggression. And, um, and it seems that we, the, the Ukraine is breaking lots of myths and stereotypes and the beliefs in which the, the whole Western uh, world has been living uh, for, <laughs> for decades, I would say, including the mightiness of of the Russian army and so on. And that's a very important thing. But another aspect which is still disappointing us from time to time is that we witness lots of people in the West holding this notion that this is our fault. This is our own fault. This is the West's fault. This is the US fault. And we didn't respect Putin enough. We didn't respect Russia. We didn't respect their security concerns enough. And all this, I would, I would call it green, very left, liberal. And if I may put it this way, that the kind of internal locus of control taken too far mm-hmm. without seeing the whole system, without seeing the, <laughs> the real players with their real, I don't know, psychiatric di- diagnosis and with their real intentions, with their real blind spots and shadows and everything, which are now pretty obvious. And also with the historical context that Russia was suppressing Ukraine bef- before the United States were created. Exactly. Yeah, this is, wow. this is a very, very, very long history. And, and actually to, put, to add one more layer to this, I think we are witnessing the meta-historic conflict. And Putin spoke about it quite explicitly before, before starting in, in one of his famous, negatively famous interviews or speeches right before the war, that he was basically de- ne- neglecting, denying the, 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 the Ukraine as a country and the Ukrainian nation as a, as a sovereign you know, ethnic group. And the, the thing is that you, Russia and Ukraine is competing for who is the successor of Kievan Rus, who was the civilization, civilization before Russia was even born, starting from 900s AD. So that was uh, like around 10th and 11th and 12th century. That was a huge power in uh, both political and economic and even cultural and power. Spiritual. And spiritual, especially, yeah, power in Europe. And then, after some historic de- uh, historical developments, the the Moscow Kingdom was born, and they kind of they appropriated, so to say, all that legacy, which was actually born in Kiev and around Kiev, and came to and 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 they still kind of they they cannot. The Russian Empire can never be an empire without Ukraine. And that's that's a pretty tough subject. So what we want to say that there's a huge historical kind of chain connected to that. Yes, and that history is being used and misused clearly by Putin and using that history as, as a myth that he is using to justify this in, in his own insane way. And you mentioned a kind of a psychopathology getting played out. And unfortunately, this is 
an individual psychodrama getting played out at the cost of millions of lives and touching everyone on everyone on the planet. And you also mentioned that that there was some disappointment with in, in the responses of some of the people you would have most perhaps expected, some of the more intellectual, some of, even some of the integral people, to initially that there was a maybe a lack of particular something lacking, some things lacking in the response, an awareness of the, your your Ukrainian particular experience. And, I just wonder if you can illuminate anything more about that for us, because this is very important. It's like, as an integral community, as a world community, to learn how to most skillfully hold your tragedy. But more than that, learn how we can how we can more effectively hold for so many of the challenges in the world. So, what exactly did you see missing? So, let me start from um, these famous articles uh, by. A very respected person, Otto Scharmer. We are sincere in that. We found it very disappointing the conclusions that the only way, I'm quoting now, the only way for Ukraine, for the resolving the Ukrainian problem is collaborative diplomacy. And the quicker we use collaborative diplomacy, the better it is for the Ukrainian people and the whole world. And perhaps we should just say a little bit about Otto Sharma. He's, uh, I forget, he's a, an academic, the east coast of this country, United States. He's a very well-known theorist on communication and group process, famous for his description of Theory U. And so it sounds like he kind of applied his worldview to this issue, but it was pretty myopic. Yes, and our feeling was that we, the, the point of disappointment was that the theory which we deeply respected and still respect, and I think this is a, the, the, the whole framework and the whole philosophy, the approach is genius. But when we saw that, how it could be disconnected from reality, that, that made us really, really disappointed. And we thought, okay, what's the What's the connection? What's the application in this difficult situation? Where is this, you know, presencing point in this war? And just to tell a, you know, a theoretical thing, thought that, okay, peace is better than war. Come on, that's, that's not good enough. What peace is better than when your enemy just wants you to be dead, literally? And that's, that's already a proven fact. That's not a presumption, you know which is trying to de- destroy. So I just want to put one quote, which which Michael McFall posted. And Michael McFall is a former U.S. ambassador to Russia and one of the most prominent speakers on the, on the Russian kind of subject generally. And he posted on his fa- Facebook the poster that one young girl is holding, which tells, if Russia stops fighting, there will be no war. If Ukraine stops fighting, there will be no more Ukraine. And, mm. and he wrote, that sums it up. So, and, mm. and th- this is absolutely correct. If Ukraine stops fighting, there will be no more Ukraine, period. That's undiscussable. That's already a proven fact. So when we hear something, those kind of, you know, noble romantic uh, statements, we, we get really pissed. So. I will quote. From that view, it's clear that in Ukraine, there can be only one path forward, collaborative diplomacy. 
the sooner the better. The longer it takes, the more horrific destruction, brutalization, and collective trauma will be inflicted on everyone. Intelligent, collaborative diplomacy needs to offer bridges to those who are stuck in the field of absencing and offer solutions that are beyond binary logic that shapes the currently dominant thinking based on othering and on either-or antagonisms with no third option in the middle, such as military neutrality for Ukraine. Well, I'm an academic, but even to me, that sounds totally abstract and divorced from reality. And I think maybe what I take as the lesson you're trying to, you're communicating to us that particularly for those of us who have lived in the world of ideas, that ideas are great. And the immediate issue is raw human suffering and conflict, and that needs to be front and center and our theory second. So thank you. That's an important, very important point. And we also believe that's actually the reason why we decided to uh, invite um, Otto and also other thinkers for an open dialogue. Because I believe that's kind of a dance that we are trying to manage. Like, of course, we're all traumatized. But does it mean that we cannot enrich with perspectives each other's views each other views i mean this is life this is reality what if we just get centered in this reality which is part of life and find theories that integrate also this reality there are different modes of being there are modes of being where we are all fine safe we can do collaborative diplomacy make friendships make partnerships spend hours in reflective circles do systemic consensus etc and there are there is another mode of life which is war and how do we need to change to make a paradigm shift and what tools can we use to remain like with open mind open heart open will as theory u teaches us but still keeping arms in our hands in order to protect our values our land and our future so is it possible? Can we combine it? Integrate it. Yes, we need to be yogis with rifles, basically. Yeah, this is a critical question you're presenting to us. And personalize it for me. I try not to kill anything. Literally, if a fly or mosquito comes in the room, I try to catch it rather than kill it. So for me, it's a huge confront. But I find myself encouraging the shipments of arms because I don't see anything less to capitulate in the face of this kind of aggression, we've seen World War II was an example of what happens. And I think Putin has been, his psychopathy has been vastly underestimated in the West. We need to face reality, and it's a real challenge, ethically, strategically. And the question you implied earlier, Katerina, for each of us to find what's the most strategic response we can make in this situation, what both speaks to our heart and, and, and is effectively an expression of our calling and directly addresses this tragedy and the needs. There is one more thing that I've noticed, and I, I believe it could be a very interesting notion, maybe even for IEC once upon a time. Children are grasping what's happening in the collective. And if you observe the really gifted teachers who are working with small children now, let's call it primary school. In order to keep children tuned and interested in teaching math, for example, or reading, they cannot use 
plums and apples and pears. They use javelins, bayraktars, stingers, and, and tanks. And laws, and uh, yeah. And children really get hooked. Our eight-year son is so much about the, the weapons and <laughs> the military. He's ecstatic, you know, and... When, when we found this genius teacher who started preparing the math exercises for him with all these, you can't, you can't stop him. Yes, and I will just show you what kind of problems he, he is resolving. So he doesn't like X hmm. like this. He prefers to find a javelin, the number oh. of javelins. Instead of X. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether to laugh or cry. Yes. Yeah, so, so it's even the children are sucked into this collective. But it's very interesting. The story that I want to, to tell is that we've got a scholarship and we came to the international school, which is a wonderful school in Vilnius and with a good culture. After the first day, I was called by the principal for a conversation and she shared that, you know, we, we have some doubts because he's speaking about arms and about killing and but not, not about killing, killing but, but about war war about war and i was checking i was like did you notice that he shows any aggressiveness no no he said no no aggressiveness holding nothing he just speaks about it so i said you know this is the passion of his generation and of boys who are eight years old now and went through certain experience from 2014. Yeah, the war was ongoing from 2014 in the east of Ukraine. Now we are, we are tending to forget that. Yeah. So th it's very important that you make this difference because he is a very kind and friendly child. And later on, they said, sorry, that he is perfectly fine. He will fit into the culture. But they were really scared. So my thoughts around it is I think we have to integrate threads. I think we have to, even this, the educational system has become so humanistic, so, you know, oriented towards wonderful, good, kind things and culture, Polite, politeness, correct. gentleness, uh, yeah, delicateness, nonviolent communication, you know, this is my passion. And now I am reconsidering it. I think that we have to let boys play with guns and speak about it because this is part of their nature. And not to push it into the shadows. I think what you're saying is developmentally green just doesn't know how to deal with this kind of stuff. It's just incapable. So you got to go down or you got to go up, but you can't hang out there. And Ben say, you know, you're a depth psychologist and have done great work with groups and I've just respected mm -hmm. you. And I just like to hear Again, from your knowledge, your perspective, what questions, what comments you have on what's happening with uh -huh. us right now? Yes, I was very curious of your critic, Katya Andriches of uh, Otto Scheimer. I didn't know his article. Uh, and, and now I understand your critic. And it's exactly what you are pointing, John, to as well, that we need the integral stage where we understand that we need to use the stages in the right place. So when there is fight on the streets and the people are killed, there's no, no time for green. You know, first we need to solve it in, on, on... That's a good bumper sticker. Yeah. <laughs> on the base to red level. And of course, Zelensky tried with, with, you know, negotiations with Putin, but it doesn't seem to work out. You know, so, so this is really not the time for romantic, postmodern and higher stage romanticism, as you say. That, that's for the times when they are already 
pals, you know, and there is a rapport refined relational space. You know, that's where we use those things. I also call for a reflection of our little lives compared to the big conflict in, in Ukraine. That I see that the, the the war that's going on and the dirtiest acts of the Russian army are reflections of our own human nature, you know. And in in normal life, we are not so dirty and not killing people. But but these energies are 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 in all all of us. So when we quarrel with our partner, when we have little fights with ourselves in normal daily life, when we lead communities, where we organize events, when we compete, when we do games, relational games. We also need an integral approach there. Me as a, as, a, as a psychotherapist and group therapists, I see that group leaders and community leaders don't integrate how to deal with red in the place. Uh, they will fail. So green only will, only green would fail with psychodynamics. Can we just say that uh, not everyone in our, in our audience will be familiar with integral mm-hmm. colors and terminology. So, so maybe you could just very briefly say what red and green mean. Yeah, green is postmodern stage where we strive for unity, harmony, sharing the interiors, authenticity, connectedness. And we, I call it the green dream. We believe in green that only if we love that will solve all conflicts. So we just need to repeat love, 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 endure with our love, avoid our own aggression and earlier stage egocentric you know, nastiness. I just avoid it. I practice love and that will solve it. And it won't. So, of course, we need to practice love and compassion and metta and karuna and all that. No doubt about it. But we also need to work through our our previous layers of the self, like red, that we name it. And I think purple too, but that's another story. But uh, that's that's a very important... And red being an earlier stage characterized by aggression. Warrior, if I still have a minute, I want to share one thing. Please. This is a bullet head mm. from a shooting, mm. not war shooting, but I also practice shooting as, as a sport. Mm. And when I was 13 years old, my father encouraged me to do sports shooting. Mm. I did for two years, then I skipped. And then 23, when I started yoga, meditation, integral and everything, I felt that it's, I, I shouldn't shoot anymore because it's just not, it, it doesn't lead to enlightenment and it's reinforcing the bad energies. I should just concentrate on love, meditation, therapy, yoga, relaxation, you know, all that. And later I noticed I wasn't integral because I avoided my, my previous layers of the self. So 20 years later, as an adult, I went back to finish my kind of shooting layer because <laughs> if there would be a problem, I, I want to defend myself and my family. Mm-hmm. And this is red and this is beige and all, all, the, all the deep early layers. Why not? And why not being an integral? No wonder I was saying a yogi with a rifle, you know, that uh, when you need a rifle, even if you're a yogi, you need to grab that. And of course, when we figured out peace, then, then put away your rifle because you don't need it. You know, but um, also this Ukrainian conflict also confronts us integralists and Westerners and postmodernists to call for a more integral approach where we can put, you know, healthily in use and integration all stages of development that we have inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks, Ben, for sharing. I'd like to, to add one, one observation from, um, from Ukraine that we are very happy and very proud of. I think we have touched it in our previous talk that very many Ukrainians are really fighting with love. 
you can see it from from the way they behave, the way they communicate among each other, the way they they make videos, they they talk to people, they address people, and they they even they even dance, make jokes, and you can see that there is on the one hand there's this contradiction. On the one hand, they're fighting and they're fighting big time, and on the same days they're making these jokes, laughing and talking to people, and you see that it's somehow it somehow works together, somehow integrates. And, and of course, there's a danger that, of course, they are going through horrors. And, and there's a danger that those, not only the soldiers, but all the people will carry a lot of pain, which can bring to revenge, you know, these ideas and the, and the shadows can build up. But the Ukrainians are already talking about it, that we do not have to become revengeful. We, we have to kind of... Mm-hmm. More proud. Yeah, we have to kind of manage to to clean up our souls after this. And even very simple people are talking about this. If that was powerful for you, as it was for me, stay tuned for part two, because it just gets deeper and the flow just keeps flowing. See you there. Today's episode was brought to you by iWake Technologies. Visit the Deep Transformation website to find out more about iAwake's audio tools designed to wake us up, grow us up as a part of our daily deep transformational practice. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Deep Transformation podcast, and we greatly appreciate your comments, suggestions, and questions. Thank you for all you are and all you do. From John, Roger, and the Deep Transformation team.